Get to wheel him out of here. Tonight, I'm so honored. Don't you break flow because we're transitioning. We are bigger than that. Don't you break flow in this atmosphere. We're about to flow into the word. And I am so honored that prophetess, apostle, teacher, intercessor, the titles could go on and on for Jennifer LeClaire is with us. It is amazing that she accepted our invitation. She's the founder of the Awakening House of Prayer all the way in Fort Lauderdale. But she's also written like 50 books, 60, something crazy, something crazy, each one with the power to transform your life. And I believe she's one of the leading voices in our nation in deliverance, but really in what the Lord is doing in our nation right now. This is my go-to when I'm trying to figure out what the Lord is saying. I go listen to her. She just don't know that. And her ministry from a distance has been revolutionary in my life and at this conference. And I'm so honored she is here. I give you complete freedom to obey the Lord. Can you help me honor Apostle Jennifer LeClaire as she comes to this pulpit tonight? Come on, somebody say Jesus! Come on. It's always been about Jesus be about Jesus. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Lily of the Valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the forerunner. He's gone before you to make a way for you. And He's coming back for you. Amen. For a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He is our everything. Come on, somebody one more time. Just give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated if you'd like to. You can stand up. You can run in circles. You can do whatever you want. Somebody say, I'm free. Amen. Amen. Somebody prophesy to your neighbor. Say, something good is going to happen to you today. (laughs) Something good already happened. Praise God. Amen. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Thank you. Amen. You have an awesome worship team here. You know, the Queen Elizabeth just recently passed away. Is anybody here that didn't hear about that? You know, many years ago, I was traveling, actually a few years ago, I was traveling to London once a month. We were building houses of prayer. We have three houses of prayer in England. And I'll always remember the time when I was there in England and I received a message that said, the Queen will receive a word from you. I said, what do you mean, what Queen? I said, because I'm I'm not sure this is a setup. I said, you mean the queen? And they said, yes, the queen. I said, you mean like the queen of England? And they're like, yes, the queen of England. And it was a a real honor of my life to get to release a prophetic word to the queen. And uh, it's it's just as great an honor to release a word to you tonight. Amen. How many of you are hungry? Amen. Well, Pastor Kevin said everything I was going to say. So therefore... Here I am, and we'll see what the Lord does. You know, speaking of London, I was in London in 2016, and we flew in. We were beginning to start doing a lot of ministry there, and we flew in, and we we held a meeting there with with a bunch of African-British folks. Now, if you go to England, what you'll notice is the white church is, forgive me, but the white church is kind of (laughs) dry. It's kind of like that a lot of places, isn't it? If you want to get the Holy Ghost in England, you need to go to the African church. 
So we held some meetings there, and we were there. I mean, we were in the glory of God, kind of like this tonight. We were in the glory of God, and people were getting healed. People were getting delivered. People were like, I mean, it was explosive. I was laying hands on people. They were, they were laying on the floor vibrating. I mean, it was crazy. It's going to get crazier like this this weekend. <laughs> Come on. And in the middle of that glory, the Holy Spirit said something to me that I didn't like. He said, go look in your bag for your passport. I said, that's an odd thing to say when you're in the glory. That's a very strange thing for the Lord to say. So I obeyed. Okay? I went over there and I looked in my backpack. And it's got a lot of pockets and a lot of, you know, this, this nooks and crannies. And I looked for where the passport was, where I left it, and it wasn't there. I looked here, I looked there, and I started to panic. I said, I I'm not even going to go there right now. I said, I'm getting back in the glory. Amen. I got back in the glory. We, people, deaf ears were opening. It was really something spectacular. And I didn't tell anybody about the passport. I went back to the, I went back to the hotel and I began to look everywhere for it. I figured, where did it go? I asked the front desk in the hotel, where could this be? I looked in between the mattresses. I looked in every drawer. I looked behind the toilet. I mean, I looked everywhere. I mean, you, you kind of have to get a passport. You, you want to go back home, right? I gotta, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I, I, my passport has gone missing. And I, and I realized the Holy Spirit was telling me it happened in that meeting, but I don't know now what to do. So I was like, oh boy. And I didn't want to tell my friends that were with me because I was going to, I was thinking like, yeah, well, you're what a world traveler you are. Can't even keep hold of your passport, you know? And so I'm looking, I called one of my intercessor friends, her name is Michelle. And I called her and I said, listen, my passport has gone missing. I don't know what to do. I said, I, I, I got to go to Spain on, on Monday. It's Saturday. No idea what to do. And she goes, I'll call the embassy. And she said, I'll set up an appointment for you. Go to the U.S. Embassy on Monday. You'll get a new passport. Don't worry about it. Just continue your ministry. I said, okay, that sounds like a plan. I get all the paperwork. I've got everything together. And I still didn't want to tell my friends. We had to go to Birmingham, not Alabama, but Birmingham, England. We had to go to Birmingham to do some ordinations at a church there. So we took a train, it's about an hour and a half. We did the ordinations. The glory of God fell. Again, people getting healed, delivered, saved, crazy atmosphere. And then we started the train back home. And I said, I better tell my friends because I got to get a passport photo. And it's midnight. And I don't really know my way around England. So I need some help. And, and so our host was like, you know, it's no problem. He's like, it's no problem. They have passport photo booths like at every train station. I was like, praise God. Now, of course, of course, it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning by the time we found one. And he, they said, here, just put the, put a pound here in the thing and smile. He put the pound in and I was going, I mean, my hair was all messed up. My makeup was running down. My, I mean, it's one o'clock in the morning. I've been in the glory. Come on. When you get in the glory, the bobby pins come out. When you get in the glory, amen, the mascara starts to run. When you get in the glory, you don't care. But then they take your picture and put it on a passport for 10 years. And you're like, oh boy. <laughs> we got the passport photo. I get back to the hotel. And I go up to the front desk. I say, listen, I said, I need to get to the U.S. Embassy tomorrow morning. And I don't know how to get there. How do I get there? They said, well, just get in the underground, then take this train, then take a, then take a cab, then walk four miles, and you'll be there no problem. And I'm like, okay, cl clearly you don't know me because I am directionally challenged. Like I would get lost in my own city. I, mean, it really, I would really bow with directions. 
The only one worse than directions than me is Siri. <laughs> She's the only one worse than me. Apple Maps. And so, so I was like, okay, well, well, I said, what time do I need to leave? They said, well, you know, if you leave by, what time do you need to be? I said, eight. They said, if you leave by seven, you'll get there in plenty of time. And I said, okay, now it's about three o'clock in the morning. I've got about four hours, you know, I've got about, uh, you know, three hours to sleep. And I'm like, okay, um, uh, okay, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm like, I, I got to get this passport. And, and I went to sleep. And suddenly at 6 a.m., I woke up <gasps> like that, took a deep breath. And the Holy Spirit said something to me that I did not like. He said, get up now and go. I said, but I have another hour to sleep. I've been up all night. Come on now. How many of you intercessors will admit that you hit your snooze button sometimes and God's trying to get you up out of that bed and you're like, oh, Jesus. We have about 300 honest intercessors. I know about the rest of y'all. The Holy Spirit said, go now. So I got up immediately, I ran out of the hotel room, I went down to the front desk and I said, listen, I said, can you tell me again how to get to the U.S. Embassy because I've already forgotten and I've got to go now. And they said, it's okay, get on the underground, they get on a train, they get in a taxi, then walk four miles, no problem. I said, okay, they said, remember to take your oyster card. And I said, my oyster what? They said, yeah, you need an oyster card to get on the underground. I said, I've never heard of such a thing as an oyster card. And they said, well, you're going to have to have one. I said, well, how do I get one? They said, that's okay. You just go down to the station. You put a few pounds in the machine and you'll get an oyster card. And I said, well, I don't, I don't have any pounds. I said, what am I going to do? And they said, well, I don't know. You got, it only takes pounds. I said, I don't have any pounds. I don't know what to do. And right then in that moment, somebody say right then, in that moment, these two men were behind me and they said, listen, they said, we're going back to our country. They said, you can take our oyster card and that should be enough to get you there and back. Listen, we're in a swirl now. You're going to start to see the pattern. We're in a swirl. I was in a prophetic swirl. I was in a prophetic bubble and I didn't realize it. How many of you know if I hadn't woken up and obeyed the Holy Ghost, when he said, get up now, go now, I would have missed those two guys with the oyster card. I would have missed my plane to Spain and I would have missed an encounter with God that changed my whole life. So I get the oyster card. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I began to go on the underground and on the train. And I get off the track. I can't believe I made it, man. I mean, I, I was like, this is a miracle. I know the Holy Ghost is with me. And here I am. And I get off and I get my, I get my Apple Maps because now I don't know which way to go. And Apple Maps is okay, turn right. Okay, turn left. Okay, this way. Okay, that way. And, and, and I was like getting closer. I could see a little person on the map. And I was getting closer. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said something that I did not like. He said, you're going the wrong way. I said, but Siri, and I even put a British accent on her. I said, Siri is telling me to go right. And the Holy Spirit said, Siri is wrong, go left. <laughs> and so I followed the Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor, follow the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, please. Oh, my Lord. So I, and, and, and you know, I started going, I started going the opposite direction. And Siri started manifesting big time. 
Turn left. Make a U-turn. 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 And here I'm like, I just turned it off and I said, I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost. Amen. We would do a lot better if we if we would turn off the Instagram and the Facebook and get our face in the Word of God and begin to seek the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I got to the embassy and I got there at 7.59. My appointment was at 8 o'clock. They said, don't be later. We won't take you. I got there at 7.59 and I'm like, praise Jesus. I got my, pa my passport picture. They said, are you sure that's you? I said, here, let me do it. They said, okay, yeah, that's you. <laughs> I got my passport picture. I got my application, and it cost like $329 or something to get the passport. And so I said, no problem, American Express. Come on, somebody. Don't leave home without it. You young people don't know because that was like a... A slogan from a long time ago. Don't leave home. I was so happy. I popped that thing down. I said, praise God. I said, I need a passport. She said, no problem. It'll take about 15 minutes. I said, praise God. What have you ever known anything in the government to take 15 minutes? <laughs> she said, it'll take 15 minutes. She goes back there. She's gone 10 minutes. I think she's about to come back with my passport. She comes back. She says, you're not going to believe this. And I hate when people say that to me. It seems like they say, you're not going to believe this. This has never happened before. Oh, so I'm the first. She says, you're never going to believe this. This has never happened before. She says, the credit card machine has gone down, and we have to wait until the office in the States opens up to run this credit card and get an okay. I said, can't you just write the number down? I'm good for it. She said, no. I said, please. She said, no. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. What am I supposed to do? I've got to catch a plane in five hours. I can't wait six hours. And she said, well, just give me cash. And I said, I, <laughs> good thinking. So I, I, I counted all the money. I needed $329 and I had $301. And I'm like, oh. And then I did what you would do. I began to pray in the spirit. Money miracles, multiplication. Come on. If Jesus can multiply the bread, you can multiply the money, God. Multiply the money. Multiply the money. Oh, Jesus, I need to get to Spain. There's a divine appointment. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed in the spirit. And I counted it again. And my hand to God, it was $328. Now the problem is, I needed $329. So I'm like, God, I know you don't do no halfway miracles. I'm like, yeah, but I said, you know what? I was a woman of faith. I walked up there and I walked up to that lady. I said, listen, I said, I got $328. said, you can count it. I said, I need my passport. I got a divine appointment in Spain. I know I do. I guess she said, no, you can't. You can't. You can't. I need 329. I said, this is American soil. This is the U.S. Embassy. You can't spot me a dollar. She said, no. And she manifested. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, gee, what a Jezebel. <laughs> There's always one. And I got to run into him. 
I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, and then a man came up, a British man. He goes, well, I've got a pound if that will help you. And I said, that's awesome. She goes, we can't take pounds. <sighs> so finally, somebody gave me a dollar. I get my passport. I've got to get to the airport. And I'm racing to get there. Now, in America, you've probably seen this, because if you're late for your, uh, your, your, your plane in America, you get in security, and then you say, excuse me, uh, can you let me in front of you? Uh, can, I need to go ahead of you. I'm going to miss my plane. People do that, right? You see that. Yeah, I'm going to miss my plane. Well, not so in London. No, if you don't get to the queue, the line, the, the security checkpoint, if you don't get there by a certain time, you then don't even let you try. And so I get there, and there's this line, and it goes like, 15 times around, I'm like, oh, Jesus. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, Lord. I know you called me to go to Spain. Oh, Lord Jesus. And I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. When you don't know how to pray as you ought. I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, like an angel of God, I saw a security officer with red hair. How many of you in here have real red hair? Look at all these red. Then you're familiar with the redhead code. You're familiar. Don't tell anybody. If you all tell anybody, I'll say you're lying. I will deny it because the redhead code can no go further than this. There's a redhead code. We got each other's backs. We got each other's backs. So I see her, and she's like an angel of God, and light is shining down upon her. She's a red-haired woman. I, I went up to her, and I said, I said, this line is so long. I, 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 I'm going to miss my plane. I, I need to get to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the gate. I, I got an appointment in Spain. And she says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I'm thinking, is that real red hair? <laughs> you got that red hair in a box, uh-uh. Because you know the redhead code is international. And you know. You nod your head. You know. And I said, well, are you sure that you can't help me out? And she looked at me and she says, well, why are you so late? Don't you know you have to show up two hours earlier? And I said, well, I said, my passport went missing and I've been at the embassy all morning trying to get a new one. And she looked at me and she looked at my hair, trying to see if it was real. And she said, you poor thing, go up to the front of the line. But see, here's the thing. This whole time, I'm in a prophetic swirl. I got God overriding Siri. I've got people giving me their oyster cards. I got the redhead code working for me, amen? And God is ordering my steps to each person along the way despite myself. I don't have a clue what's going on. God will do the same thing for you. All you have to do is cultivate a prophetic spirit. God is no respecter of persons. All this time, I'm in this prophetic swirl, and I didn't even know it until I looked back. So now, I get on the plane, I go to Spain, I have a dramatic encounter with the Lord that shifted my entire life, shifted my entire ministry. I knew it was coming. The enemy was trying to stop it. But how many of you know the devil can't stop what God has ordained for you? He's a liar, and so is his mother-in-law. <laughs> if you got a religious spirit, that'll mess you up. He doesn't really have a mother-in-law. Come on. Please. I get to Spain. 
I spent a week there. Now I've got to fly from Spain back to Philly because I'm going to fly, land on the ground and go preach at a prophetic conference straight. I'll never try to do that again. I was young. I mean, it was like five years ago. I, I, I was, uh, I, it's funny how quickly we get old. Listen, here I am. I, I, I'm trying to get back. I go from Spain. I got to stop in Amsterdam, a God-forsaken city, my Lord. Thank God there's a great mega church there. They're friends with the pastor. But beyond that, here I am in Amsterdam, and I've got like three hours to sleep. I said, I got to get a rest. And so they have these things called yotels. They're little tiny hotels in a little tiny room. And they have like a wee bed and a wee sink and a wee toilet. And it's just all little miniature, right? And so I'm like just so happy to see a bed. I'm like, praise God. I brushed my teeth with the wee toothbrush, and I did all these things. <laughs> I laid down, I pulled a little wee, wee pillow, had a little wee pillow, and, I'm just, and, I'm, and I laid down in the bed, and the Holy Spirit said something to me. <laughs> You're catching on. That I did not like. He said, your bags will not be in Philly when you get there. I said, what meanest thou? <laughs> what are you talking about? My bags won't be in Philly. He said, it's still on the belt, and if you don't go get it, it's going to be lost. I said, I can't lose that bag. I got journals in there. I got mementos in there. I got all kinds. Of he said, you better get up. So I got up, and I went there to security, and I said, my bag, I think my bag might be lost. Well, how do you know that? <laughs> oh, just a feeling. Because we're in Amsterdam. They do not like me in Amsterdam. They don't like me. They don't like Christians. A lot of, a lot, a lot of they're like very secular. They're because they have great churches there. He's like, I said, I just have a feeling. He's like, well, I'll call KLM and, and, and it'll take two or three hours and, and they'll, they'll track it if it's lost and you'll get it. I said, no. Nah. I said, I got to catch a plane in two hours. I said, I can't wait three hours. I said, can you please go look on the bell, just see maybe if it's still out there? Because I knew it was. I knew it was. He said, no. He said, I can't do that. And I'm like, please, Lord, bring me a red-haired lady. <laughs> and would you know, a few minutes later, this woman came in all her red-headed glory. <laughs> and I said, would you please go look on this? She goes, she finds my bag, just like the Holy Ghost said. Tell your neighbor, obey the Holy Ghost. See, he is trying to lead us and guide us more than we know. But many times we just, we don't hear or we don't believe that we're hearing him. A little instruction. I call them micro instructions. It would have been so easy for me to turn over, lay in that wee bed for a couple of hours and gotten up and gone to Philly and I wouldn't have had my, I wouldn't have had my, uh, my bag. So I get there, I go to Philly. I go straight to this prophetic, I'm exhausted, man. I was so tired. I, I go to this pr prophetic conference and I preach. I was telling this story about how the Lord had led me so accurately, amen. He ordered my steps. He brought people in front of me. I was in this whole prophetic swirl and I, I was telling the story about the swirl I was in and I'm sitting and they were like, wow, that's, that's incredible. This just happened, this is like fresh. And I'm like, okay. And afterwards, there was this woman there. She'd been on the front row, and she was shouting me down. And I'm like, she, she said, woman of God, she said, can I speak with you? And I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, I was at your meeting in London last week. 
where the glory fell. I'm like, oh, you were there. You were there when I was there. She's like, yeah, I was there. And she goes, and I saw a couple of people, and they were messing around in your backpack. I said, did you? She says, yes. She goes, I think they stole your passport. I said, well, why didn't you tackle them? Because I didn't have to go through all that stuff. You could have stopped it. But God allowed me to go through all of that so that I could encourage you that you can step into these prophetic swirls. And sometimes when you're walking through it, you don't even know it. What we have to do to prepare to navigate the prophetic swirl, because I could have taken a wrong turn at any time. At any time, I could have missed one micro-instruction, missed a plane, missed a divine appointment, missed a conference, missed my bag, right? So how then do we cultivate a prophetic spirit how then do we get to the point where we're able to hear the still small voice, even if it's slower than a whisper? How do we get that way? See, I was a journalist for many, many years, and I was taught to investigate. I was taught to ask questions. And if we would ask more God more questions, he would give us more answers. Like Pastor Devin said, we have not many times because we, because we ask not. Oh, I ask God everything. He didn't tell me everything, right? But I ask him everything. You better know it. I interview him. <laughs> like a proper journalist. So how then do we cultivate a prophetic spirit? Now in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the 2.0 activation that my spiritual father, Bishop Bill Hammond, released over me so that I'm going to give you a kickstart and a jumpstart in your prophetic. Amen? But I want to give you a few principles here. I want to give you a few principles. How do we cultivate a prophetic spirit? Because the times we're living in, listen, they're, they're blowing up you know, schools, right? I mean, people are sneaking up on people and, and, and knifing them. I mean, how do we avoid these blind sides? How do we discern the hindering spirits? How do we push back the works of darkness? Well, we need to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, not on the devil. However, however, we can't ignore the devil either. And so my thought is if we cultivate a prophetic spirit, we can get the heads up on anything. My daughter, some years ago, there was a, she lives in Louisiana, and there was a, uh, a shooter that went into the movie theater right down next to where she worked. And, and I saw, I woke up in the morning, because I go to bed very early, and I woke up in the morning, and I saw, it was all over the news, that, that, that there was this big shooting in this Louisiana movie theater. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because that bullshit, I've been going to pray in tongues. I'm, I'm texting her, she's not answering me. I'm calling her, she's not answering me. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know where she is. And the Holy Spirit says, she's fine. She's safe. Amen. Later on, she called me. Uh, I said, I was calling you. Why didn't you answer? She goes, I, was, I, just, I just crashed. I was asleep. She goes, I was supposed to go to the movies with my friends to that same movie, that same time, that same night when the shooter was there. She said, some of my friends were in that building, and I was so freaked out. I came home. I couldn't sleep, and i just been sleeping ever since I fell asleep. And I said, well, why didn't you go to the movies? I said, all your friends went to the movies. I said, why didn't you go? She said, something told me not to. 
Many people didn't go to the Twin Towers on 9-11 because something told them not to. It wasn't something, it was someone, amen? And in the time we're living in, there are perilous times. It's perilous times. It's not to be afraid, but understand that the world, I mean, look at all the violence everywhere, right? But more than that, more than avoiding violence, more than avoiding, you know, spiritual attack, I, wanna, I want everything Jesus died to give me. I want to walk in the overflow. I want to walk in a greater anointing. I want to raise the dead. Amen. And it's about the micro instructions. It's about the still small voice. It's about the prophetic spirit. So how do we cultivate that? How do we do that? That's what we're going to talk about here for these next few minutes before we do this activation. Jesus. The first thing we need to do is we need to develop a right paradigm of God. We need to see him as he is, not as religion paints him. You will prophesy according to your paradigm of God. You will prophesy based on how you see Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And if you see Jesus as an unjust judge, if you see God as someone who's got a big hammer and he's ready to pound on you every time you make a mistake, if you carry a condemnation, listen, you've heard all the doom and gloom prophets. They ain't never got nothing good to say. Never. Listen, I understand there's words of warning. I've released words of warning. I understand there does come a time where God does pronounce judgment. I understand that. I understand that, that those things that happened in the old, that was real. But there are some people, some prophets, they don't ever have anything good to say. And the reality is that God is good all the time. So even if there is a warning, there's redemption. Even if there is some correction, it's a love because he chastens those who he loves. So if we have a wrong perception of God and who he is and what he represents and how much he loves us, oh, how he loves us us. If we have a wrong understanding of God, we won't prophesy rightly. And so much of the church today is bound in religion. And Jesus said, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. You won't let it, you won't go into the kingdom of God and you won't let nobody else go either. And we don't want to be that. So Lord, break religion off our minds, God. Break every remnant, all residue of religion off of our minds. Lord, break it. Deliver us from it. Keep us in the center of your heart in Jesus' name. <laughs> we prophesy according to our paradigm. But see, I used to always think God was mad at me. Is anybody in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, you can if you want to, where you feel like, you know, God is just mad at you, or maybe you don't live up, or it's like never enough. It's like no matter how hard you try, and especially, God forbid, you fall into some kind of sin. Oh, my God. Then you're going to go around and beat yourself up all the time. See, I used to struggle with a condemnation mindset because I came out of a church that taught that God's love was conditional. That's heresy. And so I had this condemnation mindset. And I remember when, when my daughter was little and I would get down on my knees and I would pray. And I would pray and I would pray something like this. I would say, oh, Lord, forgive me for not reading the Bible long enough today. Lord, forgive me for not praying enough. Forgive me for getting aggravated with my daughter because she called all over my brand new couch and ruined it. And it's just all messed up. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for, for not doing this and for not doing that. And, and it wasn't like it was some great sin. It was just me being performance-oriented. Condemnation mindset is never enough. 
And the Lord said something. He interrupted me. Here I am praying. And he, sa he says, excuse me. And I said, yes, sir. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I, yes, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. I said, well, 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 sure I am. He said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. I'm on my knees, name of Jesus. And he said, go read Ephesians 1, verse 6. And I'm like, why? Well, I, I didn't have that verse memorized at the time. I didn't know what Ephesians 1, verse 6 said. Most people don't know what that says. And so I went and read it, and I tell you, I will never, ever forget that because it completely broke that off my mind, and God wants to break it off you tonight. It, Ephesians 1, 6 says, you are accepted in the beloved, just as you are. There's nothing you can do that ever make him love you more or less. He accepts you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Come on, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. God has brought me from a mighty long way. Come on, God has brought me from the pits of darkness. He has exalted me. He has healed me. He has made me whole. Amen. I got some more way to go, but thank God he's taken me where I need to go. Amen. Amen. Glory to glory. And I've never forgot it. So we need to, to continually resist that religious spirit. The next thing we need to do is we need to seek intimacy with God. We need to pursue it. The Greek word for pursue means to go after it. You just got to have it. It means I can't do without it. I won't live without it. It's a passionate, fervent seeking. We need to seek and pursue and cultivate an intimate relationship with God. We need to, listen, if we're spending more time watching TV than we're spending with God, I submit to you there's something wrong. I know I'm tipping over some sacred cows. Let me go, somebody said, just go ahead and tip them over. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. You know what we did at my church on Sunday? I knew, it was, I mean, I was like, Lord, you really want me to do this? Are you sure? He said, you better, you better obey. I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, I want all y'all to bring up your idols and put them at the altar. I said, get a piece of paper if you have to. I said, some of y'all need to run home and get your TV. Some of you need to take your phone and put it right here and leave it. Some of you need to just write it down because you can't fit your car into the sanctuary. I said, some of you, you need to bring your, your, your idols to the altar and leave them there. And you know, people brought their cell phones. Bam. I said, that's a nice phone. I think I'll keep that. We need to get rid of the idolatry. You shall have no other gods before me. Does he mean it or does it just sound good? He means it. And so we have to be a people that seek intimacy. I was in um, Columbia. Well, you know, Ruth Ward Heflin, she used to say, praise until the worship comes, worship till the glory comes, then stand in the glory. She knew intimacy. I was in Colombia, Bogota, Bogota, Colombia, and I was down there on assignment for Charisma Magazine. They said they've been having revival for 25 years solid, 25 years, continual revival for, I said, and somebody said, you should write a story about that. I said, I have to see it with my eyes because everybody wants to say, we in revival, we in revival. And it's like, yeah, there's three people there and they all look dead as a doorknob. <laughs> You're not having no revival. You just want to be in Charisma Magazine not buying it. 
So I flew down to Bogota. And they said, well, come see them. This place was, I mean, it was like a city block. And you walked in, and it was like, it was before the service. And you walked in, and the presence of God was so thick that I almost could not contain myself. I said, something's been going on in this building. They said, well, we're going to have service later. They had about 500 people or more in in their choir. And they, they, they were all along the back. It was the craziest thing. I saw a river of fire coming right down through the center all the way into the congregation. And the, the man of God called me up and I prophesied this river of fire. He begins to jump up and down. And he said, that's what I've been prophesying. It's the same word I've been prophesying. And so I asked him, I said, can I meet with you after the service? I mean, because during the service, I mean, I broke down. I'm on my face. I'm weeping. People are literally getting healed. Nobody is touching them. Nobody is touching them. And they're running up to the altar screaming, this goiter just fell off. This tumor just fell off. And they had a doctor on site, and they would confirm it. I mean, these people were literally just like, you know, doing the mullet on the front row, just like getting delivered. Just getting delivered. Like demons coming out. Nobody's touching them. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And there was 30, by the way, there's 35,000 people there, all praising God. And I'm like, my God. And I said, Pastor, I said, you know, Ricardo, I said, you know, Pastor, you know, can I, can I, can I, I had to get a translator. Can I meet with you after service? Can I talk with you after service? He says, sure. He said, come on back. And we had a translator. And I said, I said, I said, man of God, I said, I said, how did you get this way? How did you build this? How did you cultivate something like this? Because remember, I'm a journalist. And he said, well, I'll tell you. He said, he said, we started this church. We had like 10 people. And he said, and I was, and and the Lord said, you're going to have a a worldwide ministry one day. And it was like 10 people. And it was 10 people. There was eight people. There was five people. And he said, we did everything we knew to do. We went door to door. We went, you know, giving popcorn parties. We went and had stuff in the park. We did everything we knew to do. And the church would not grow. And I got down on my knees one day, he said, and I began to cry out to God. I said, you said I was going to have a worldwide ministry you said you were going to bring revival and it's just getting worse instead of better and nothing I do works I've tried everything every church program everything I know to do and nothing is working and the Lord said something to him that he didn't like (laughs) the Lord said stop all that seeker-friendly program-oriented ministry There's nothing wrong with programs, all right? We need to have things in churches, but when that's our focus over the Holy Ghost, listen, the Holy Ghost has the best program you're ever gonna find. So I'm not against programs. I'm just against pushing the Holy Ghost out. He said, lay all that aside. And he said, do nothing but seek my face. And he started seeking the face of God for two hours, then three hours, then four hours, then eight hours, and it began to change him. And then his wife got jealous. She told me, she said, I got jealous because my husband was changing. He was moving rapidly from one glory to another glory to another glory. So I started to join him, and we started pressing into God together. 
And we went to church one day, and there was only 10 people there. He said, but nothing, nothing else changed. The message didn't change. The worship didn't change. The mute, nothing changed except he changed. And he said, all of a sudden, she said, all of a sudden, miracles started breaking out, and the word went around all of Bogota, and now we can't even fit them all. We've got 35,000, and we're building another floor so we can have 70,000. But it was the intimacy. It was the intimacy. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and how easy it is for us to binge watch Netflix instead of binge reading the word. How easy it is for us to talk on the phone for hours under the pretense of interceding when we're really gossiping. How easy it is for us to put something or someone ahead of him. I came back from Bogota. I was in a meeting with Dutch Sheets. I was, he's a, I'm in a relationship with him, so I was sitting up on the front row. And he was talking about being a friend of God. And I, I, I couldn't contain myself. I'm not a big weeper, but the Holy Ghost came all over me. I mean, he was talking about being a friend of God as if, as if, as if he just really knew God in a way that most people don't. And, and I began to weep on the front row. I, I was just overtaken, and I'm trying to hold it together because I don't want to be a distraction. And afterwards, I said, Dutch, can I talk to you? He said, well, sure. He said, what's on your mind? I said, Dutch, I said, you're talking about being a friend of God. I said, how did you get this way? How did you develop this kind of friendship? Because I can tell that you talk to God like Moses did, that you talk to God like Abraham did. How did you get this way? And he said, well, I just continued to pursue him. I would go out in the woods. I would set aside childish things. I would meditate on scripture. He said, I just kept putting him first. And my relationship with him was the most important thing that could ever be. And I treated it that way, that that was the primary thing. And he said, after a while, he goes, I just became so intimate with him that I didn't want anything or anyone else. I mean, he's first. I couldn't believe it. I was with Dick Eastman, who's a legend of the prayer movement, went to visit him in Colorado. And he sat and he told me stories for hours and hours. Then he said, well, how can I pray for you? And I said, well, I've got a prayer movement. We're in 50 nations and we've got about 300 prayer hub leaders and I need wisdom. Because <laughs> there's all these cultures and all this stuff going on. He prayed, this man prayed for 30 solid minutes talking to God like somebody talks to their friend. I mean, it was incredible. And Lord, you remember that time you did that for me? And we had a lot of fun, didn't we, Lord? And, and he's praying like this. And I'm like, this man, and I'm like, I'm like falling apart. It's an intimacy. It's an intimacy. Then right after that, I got invited to a meet with a, uh, uh, John and Carol Arnott from the Catch the Fire movement, the revival in Canada, the Toronto Blessing. And they were at a meeting, and I was up on the front row, and they came in. And when they came in, I felt, I didn't know they were there, but I felt something coming. I felt Holy Ghost. I felt power. I felt anointing. And I turned around, and I looked, and as they were walking up, I kid you not, people were falling out of their chairs. And I'm like, my Lord. I said, what is this? What is this? My God. And they ministered, and they called all the leaders from the region up there, and I'm leading a ministry, so I came up, and, and, they, they, and everybody is on their face. And then we would try to get up, and Carol would come over and go, and start laughing. And you, you, you just pinned to the floor. The glory of God was that strong. 
I said, John, Carol, I said, can I have a call? Can I have a discussion with you? Can I talk to you? Can I speak with you? They said, sure, let's go in the green room. We sat back there and I said, I said, I said, John, Carol, I said, how did you get this way? Because if you want what someone else has, you don't need to be jealous. You don't need to be bitter. You don't need to be upset. You need to find out what they did to get it. And you need to do the same thing because God is no respecter of persons. When it comes to his heart, he wants you to access it just like Moses, just like David, just like Abraham, just like Dutch Sheesh, just like John and Carol. He's not trying to withhold himself from you. We withhold ourselves from him. Somebody say, not anymore. anymore. And I said, John, Carol, I said, how did you get this way? And they said, well, you know, we had a pretty good-sized church up there in Toronto. And, you know, things were going pretty well. But we just had a, a more in our heart. We had a hunger. We wanted to see the glory of God. We weren't satisfied with church as usual. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't want to, we didn't want to, we just knew something was missing. Something was just, something needed to change. And he said, we got down on our knees every day, Carol and I, and we would read the word just on our knees until we wept and cried. The presence of God was so strong. And he said, one day we went out and, and, and had a service and all, and all of a sudden the glory of God fell and a revival kicked off that touched the nations. You know, every, not every, but many great leaders from today that you would know, Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, all these different ones, even Rodney Howard Brown went up to Toronto. So many leaders, so many generals were touched by that revival, but it started with two people on their knees seeking God with full abandon, didn't care who didn't like it, didn't care if they had three people left in their church, they were going to follow Jesus, and that's how we need to be. If we want to cultivate that prophetic spirit, if we want to navigate the prophetic swirl, we must give him the preeminence. It's not enough just to sing about it. It's not enough just to say we give you the glory, we give you the preeminence, we put you first place. It's not enough to say, Jesus, you're beautiful. We have to believe it. We have to worship him in spirit and in truth. We have to pursue that intimacy. And as soon as you do, you can know this, that the Okarasi, the glory of God. When you do, you're going to know that the enemy is going to resist you with everything in him because he doesn't want you to tap in because he knows once you get one touch, once you get one taste, once you taste and see just how good he is, he will be over. He will be finished. He will not be able to touch you the same way he did. He won't be able to mess with your mind the same way he used to. Once you taste and see the goodness of the God in the land of the living, everything will change. Everything will be different. Everything will get better. So he fights you. He fights you for going into the prayer closet. He fights you when you try to get into worship. He fights you when you want to read the word. He fights you. He works with distractions. He works with hindrances. He works with all kinds of things to keep you out of his heart. It's time for us to return to our first love. He's our only one. David said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. There's more. 
There's more. On the way home from that meeting with John and Carol Arnett, I almost got in an accident that would have left me extremely injured. God only knows what would have happened. This guy pulled out right in front of me. It was raining, and I slammed on the brakes, started spinning around. And if it wasn't for the angels of the Most High God who encamp around me because I fear his name, I don't know what would have happened to me. The enemy was sending me a message. He said, you think you're going to be like Pastor Ricardo in Colombia? You think you're going to have friendship with God like, like Dutch Sheets does? You think you're going to build a ministry that hosts the glory like John and Carol Arnett? I don't think so. I'm going to stop you tonight. I'm going to kill you tonight. But the Lord said, no, 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 no. I am preserving her life. I am keeping her. I am going to show her things to come. I am going to send her to a generation to remind them that God is not just good. He's very, very good. He is great. He is with us. And he is worth seeking. Come on. We're talking about cultivating a prophetic spirit. Jesus. Prayer and intercession. Prayer and intercession. This is where you get your prophetic words. Jeremiah went to the potter's house. Jeremiah 32, no, 23, 16 through 18 says, if they be prophets. If. We got so many people running around today carrying the title prophet and they don't pray. I put something on Facebook. I said not all, not all intercessors are prophets, but all prophets are intercessors. And people get so offended. They said, they said I'm a prophet and I don't pray. I said, well, if you don't pray, you ain't got nothing to say. Because where you get your prophecy, where you get those words, where you get that revelation, is it a spirit of divination? Where are you getting all this from? Because if you ain't praying, you ain't got nothing to say. You ain't speaking the heart of God. You aren't releasing the Holy Ghost. Jeremiah said, if they be prophets, and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them make intercession. You want to be more prophetic? Pray more. You want to be more prophetic? Catch this. Don't pray more for you. Pray more for other people. Step into intercession. Show that you are like Christ, the intercessor. You are never more like Jesus than when you are making intercession. It is a selfless act. And it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the remnant to rise up. It's time for the true intercessors to rise up. I wish somebody would just stand up and shout right now. If you're an intercessor, if you're a prayer warrior, why don't you make some noise? Why don't you let the devil know? Why don't you let the Lord know? We have enough women right here, right now, to turn the world upside down. It only took 12 in the days of Jesus. It only took 12. It only took 120. We've got more than that right here. If we would get on our knees and turn off the TV, if we would cry out to God instead of crying and weeping about what's wrong in our lives, I'm telling you the truth, He is the Almighty God. Come on. He is the all-powerful God. I'm going to talk to this side over here. I said, he's the all-powerful God. I said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but every tongue that rises up against you, it shall be condemned. I said, you are in Christ, and he is in you. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Come on. We have to understand. We've got to pray. If you want to prophesy more, pray more. Meditate on the word. Meditate on the word. You can't prophesy beyond your knowledge of the word. Faith comes by and hearing by. And you prophesy according to the proportion of your 
You'll get that tomorrow. <laughs> you prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want to be more prophetic. You want to navigate the prophetic swirl. You want to be stuck in a foreign country without no passport and get home safely. You better learn how to hear from the Holy Ghost at a different level. God is speaking way more than we're hearing him. He's speaking to us in dreams. He's speaking to us in visions. He's speaking to us in a still small voice. He's speaking to us through symbols. He's speaking to us through other people. But we're not hearing him. Why? Because we got our ear inclined to the wrong voice. We need to pray. We need to be in the word. <laughs> and we need to exercise the gift. I was with Sean Bowles at uh, Azusa Now some years ago, however long that was, when they did the thing at LA Stadium. And I was back there in the backstage, Mike Bickle and Cindy Jacobs and uh, Heidi Baker and everybody's back there. I'm just hanging out. I'm like, look at all these generals, man. And they're just, they're praying. They're not back there gossiping about who's got the biggest church or who's got the most anointing. They're back there, and they are praying, <laughs> praying for revival in America, praying for bodies healed, souls saved, praying. And I said, look at this. And I started talking to some of them. I didn't know Sean real well at the time, but he got up there and released that word of knowledge. It was crazy. Y'all remember that? Crazy. He called out somebody's address and with a red shirt in the middle of the crowd. The guy's like, it's me. It was crazy. It was all over the place. It, was all, it went viral. And I said, Sean, I said, that's peculiar. I said, I've never seen the word of knowledge manifest like that. Well, God calls us peculiar people, yes or no? I said, that's peculiar. That's peculiar. That's odd. And I said, how did you get that way? It's a question I ask everybody. I want to know how you got that way because you're powerful. Amen. I said, how did you get that way? He said, well, he goes, I had to exercise the gift. He said, my parents would take me to the nursing home, and we would just minister to the elderly folks in there. And, and, and I would just practice. And, and he said, I would just, he said, I'd challenge myself when I got older. He said to, to release three prophetic words a day or three words of knowledge. And me and a group of friends, we said, we're going we're gonna to just do three, three to five every day. And he said, Sunday doesn't count because that's too easy. We got to do it every day of the week. Because we all like to prophesy on the four walls of the church. That's easy. He said, we're going to go in, into the McDonald's and prophesy. We're going to go everywhere and prophesy. We're going to give words of knowledge. And then one day, because he was at, at IHOP for a while, and Mike Bickle said, you know, Sean, that's real good. That, that's awesome. He said, but how do you know if you're right? He said, you're prophesying. You give him words of knowledge, three, four, five people a day. You're prolific. He said, but how do you know if you're right? He said, why don't you start tracking all this, and why don't you start calling some of these people back, you know, six months, a year later, whatever it was you gave the word, and why don't you ask them if you were right? Look how quiet it got in this Presbyterian church. I thought we was a Pentecostal church. I said, track your prophecies to see if you're right. Dead silence, pin drops. You heard that? Isn't that funny? And so he took Mike up all the... <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. He took... <laughs> but it's true. But <laughs> you heard it. It got quiet. Oh, she going to make us do that? <laughs> he took Mike up on the offer and he found out he was really, really super accurate. And not that he never, nobody, nobody's perfect except Jesus. 
But he found out he was really accurate. So he honed that gift. He honed that skill. And that's what we need to do. Listen, I'm about to do an activation. Now, Bishop Hammond is the, 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 the father of the modern-day prophetic movement. He is like 88 years old. I talked to him on the phone the other day. I'm going to be talking to him again on Monday. And, you know, he said he's, he said he's, he's got a lot left in him. Amen. He pioneered so much of what we walk in. I mean, a legend, just an amazing man of God. And I'm so, so, so thankful for him. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for him. And a few years ago, the Lord began to speak to him about a 2.0 activation. Because he said, we're entering into the prophetic 2.0. It's like a new era. It's like a new, a new, a new stream. It's like a, a new, new, new. And part of that is, is, is being able to hear the Lord, however he speaks, but it's also being able to release the word with accuracy, articulately, without the fear of man. Some of y'all are so prophetic, you're more prophetic than me, but you're afraid to prophesy because you were in a church where they shut you down. And you were right. You were right, but they were afraid that you were going to see their sin, so they shut you down. Yes, I said that. I said, pastor was afraid you were going to see his sin, her sin, so they shut you down. They said, you're not a prophet. You don't speak right. You've got a Jezebel spirit. But he released this 2.0 activation. I'll tell you, I was in ministry for many years, 20 years, not quite 20 years at the time. <laughs> but when he laid his hand on my head, and he's got a heavy hand. I mean, he does. You just buckle under the weight of his hand. It's like a heavy anointing on his hand. He, and, and he's done this to me a few times. Every time he does this new level activation, I start prophesying at higher levels. It's called impartation. And impartation is spiritual. Now, I don't have to lay hands on all of you. Although one time I was in a Nigerian church in London and there was this many people there. They said they, were, they had a small church. And I showed up. They said, will you come preach at our small church? I said, well, Sure. And they had a couple hundred people, and I was doing an impartation. Well, all of a sudden, six hours later, and my hand was numb, I said, where did those people come from? They said, oh, all the other Nigerian churches heard you were here, and they flooded in. <laughs> but it took six hours, and since, you know, it's getting kind of late, we, I don't have to lay hands on you to impart or activate. I don't have to lay hands on you. You know, John G. Lake, anybody who knows John G. Lake? Right. He was the, he was the one, he said, put the plague in my hand, it'll die. <laughs> Come on. And, and he, he was in Africa, and he was praying for all these people. And he said, you know what? He said, I got to go. He said, I'm going to lay my hands on this tree stump. And all the rest of you line up, and when you touch the tree stump in faith, you'll get healed. And they did. And they did. They touched it. Handkerchiefs that were on Paul's body. People got healed and delivered. I told, I told my ministry team, we were backed up with deliverance ministry, gee, my God, for, for months and months and months. And I told them, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm going to pray over all these handkerchiefs, and we're going to mail them to all the demonized people in the church. Just, just a clean sweep. All at once. All at once. That's an apostolic strategy. That's an apostolic strategy. And so I'm going to pray. 
And I'm not the end all, but I've received, you know, Cindy Jacobs is my spiritual mother, so I've received impartation from her, Bishop Hammond, James Gall. I mean, you know, the list goes on. I can't even tell you Dutch sheets. I mean, on and on and on. God has positioned me with such favor with these generals. And whatever I've received, listen, you can't give away what you don't have. But you can't receive anything from anybody without faith. So I want to build your faith. I want you to understand you can receive, listen, wherever, however prophetic you are, you can be more prophetic. And, 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 and you're going to start to notice, you know, you're going to step into these prophetic swirls. I've stepped into them many times. It's not always something difficult. Many times it's something wonderful. Many times it's something wonderful. So let's all stand up. Unless you don't want it, you don't have to stand up. I won't be offended. You want to play? Can you? Thank you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We acknowledge you as the most high God, the only God. Every other God is an idol who cannot see, who cannot hear. You are the one true living God. So we acknowledge you tonight, God, and we repent for anything we put above you, in front of you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for listening to wrong voices, for chasing after words from prophets instead of chasing after the one, the prophet, Jesus. Lord, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, God. We want to burn for you. You are our one thing. You are our only good. You are the lifter of our head and the lover of our soul. And we thank you tonight that you want us to draw close to you and you promise that when we do, you'll draw near to us. You said you're the friend that sticks closer than the brother. You said you're the very present help in time of need and we receive you as such and we acknowledge you, we thank you. And Lord, tonight, we, we, we want to be more intimate with you. We want to prophesy with greater accuracy. We want to be able to navigate the prophetic swirl. Lord, we want to, 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 to know that we know that we know that we know that we're in your perfect will, not having to wonder, not giving the enemy a chance to talk us out of what you said. And it's not just for us. We want to be uh, wonderful counselors to other people with the spirit of counsel upon us so that we can prophesy to them and help them navigate their difficulties and their blessings. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all that you have imparted to me through so many great men and women of God. So many, Patricia King and, 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 and just so many, so many, so many. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I release a prophetic impartation over your people. Lord, I release that 2.0 activation in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you will hear God's voice with greater clarity. You will hear God's voice with greater regularity. You will prophesy more prolifically. You will navigate your prophetic swirls accurately. And I break off the fear of man now in the name of Jesus. No longer will we bow to the fear of man, but we will only bow to the Holy Spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind so we say now right now in Jesus name we receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and a fire we say Lord fill us to overflowing with your love with your power with the anointing of the Holy Ghost God in the name of Jesus
Jesus. We want more. There's more. You are the God who never runs dry, the God of more than enough. So I activate your saints on another level. I put a demand on the anointing that's on the inside of you. And I say, rise up. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. I say, rise up. Rise up. Rise up, watchmen. Rise up, prophets. Rise up, intercessors. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Now just pray in the Holy Ghost for 30 seconds. We're going to seal this. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Yabashe. Oh, I see a birthing. There's something being birthed. Oh, I see travail in some of you. I see the spirit of travail falling upon some of you. God is about to birth that which you've been carrying. Oh, the enemy tried to get you to abort it, but you said, no, I will not give up on what God impregnated me with. No, I will birth it through. I will push it out. I will birth it. I will birth it. I will birth it. It may be a long time coming, but I will birth it. Maybe I birthed an Ishmael in the past, but I birthed my Isaac. I birthed my promise. I birthed my breakthrough. I birthed my increase. I birthed my prosperity. I birthed my marriage. I birthed my child. I birthed. I birthed. I birthed. I birthed. I birthed. I break off the spirit of barrenness in the name of Jesus. We are not barren. We are fruitful. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We're birthed. 
because we have anointed midwives all over this place to pray you through to whatever God is birthing in your spirit. So it may not be for everybody, but right now you can receive ministry wherever you are. All you gotta do is step out to that prayer line or raise your hand where you are. And I just want those altar workers to begin to minister right now. The word of the Lord that is in this atmosphere is manifesting in your life right now. Just receive it as they declare this right now. And Jesus is here. 